All right, grace and peace, dear friends in Christ. Welcome to episode two of Emmanuel Lutheran Church's You Gotta Try This podcast. This podcast is a digital ministry of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Wadena, Minnesota, and is being recorded um, in October of 2021. And I am Nate Lohr, lead pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church. I'm joined by Megan Clapp, the associate pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church. Hello, Megan. How are you doing today? Hi, Nate. Um, I'm hanging in there, hanging in there. Good, good. Well, some days that's the best we can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I'm excited about the conversation today. If, if you don't mind, Megan, um, for anybody new to the podcast, would you just take a minute to uh, say to our listeners and viewers what our overall goal is for, uh, for this podcast and say something about our focus today, if you would, please. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we are using this podcast as an extension of um, our time together on Wednesday evenings and Sunday mornings as a way to connect church and home together. So whatever your household looks like, um, however you join us for worship, uh, this is another opportunity to bring um, some of that into uh, the rest of the week. And so uh, last month in September, we talked together about um, mealtime faith practices, particularly around the physical act of sitting at your table and uh, sharing um, conversation and connection. Um, and we're going to continue that um, idea of mealtime and that topic of mealtime, but we're going to uh, expand our focus a bit, um, moving out from our own dinner tables um, or mealtime tables into um, the community and how we can be part of some of those practices in our community. Yeah, great. So, yeah, I think above all, we just we want people to to understand their faith as a practice, right? That where it's like just give this stuff a try, try something new, um, uh, take a bold new step, whether that's as an individual or a family, whatever the size of your household, whatever it looks like. Try something new. Give it a whirl. Give it a try. And and um, so Emmanuel is, is very connected to a lot of um, feeding ministries. And um, boy, we've got some good conversations coming up in our in our episode. You you've got a conversation coming up with uh, one of the missionaries we should we support uh, in Southeast Asia, Shandrin Paul Martin. You want to give folks a little preview about what you'll be talking about with him later on the podcast. Uh, so Chandran Paul Martin and I got to talk a little bit about his work in Southeast Asia, um, particularly around uh, the COVID response that they've been able to do and um, how that goes hand in hand with the work that they do with world hunger and the localized hunger needs uh, in their area. So it's a really great conversation. I'm glad we could connect. Yeah, so we can look forward to that. And then in, in the third segment of our podcast, I am going to be talking with Peggy Larson, who is a champion volunteer here at Emanuel, a former staff member as well. But she's involved in a couple of feeding ministries, the community dinner and a frozen meal distribution that happens here in our parking lot every month. So that that's that'll be a great conversation, too. But I thought, uh, you know, before we got into 
um, some of the nuts and bolts of how people could try um, getting involved in, in a feeding ministry, um, that it'd be important for us just to, I think, even just briefly talk about um, kind of a, a theological basis or a biblical basis um, on, on why these issues are so important. Why is it so important that we, that we take hunger and poverty seriously? And I think a good place for us to center ourselves maybe is just in thinking through some, some key verses from Scripture that might just kind of get us into that God talk. Um, mm-hmm. When you think about, uh, let's, let's put our focus on the Old Testament, um, because throughout our scriptural tradition, God speaks about hunger and poverty. Um, were there some key scriptural passages you thought about? Megan, that that really focus us in on the importance of paying attention to our neighbors around issues of hunger and poverty. There's um, there's quite a few uh, that came to mind, but two that really um, helped me remember God's providence, uh, the way God provides. One is um, when the uh, prophet goes to the widow um, in Zarephath. And she says, we have no food and we are going to, I'm going to make these cakes and uh, then I'm going to lay down and die because that's all we have left to make. And um, God's prophet comes to her and says, uh, well, make a cake for me too. And God will, God will provide. Um, It was part of his mission. And so she does what the prophet asks. And then um, the oil and the flour do not go empty. Um, there is enough and they live um, and uh, the prophet is able to go on and fulfill his mission. And I'm saying the prophet because I can't remember if it's Elijah or Elisha. Um, but one of those two famous uh, E-named prophets uh, reminds the woman of the way God provides. Right. Yeah. And it's um, that's it's uh, that's a great story about where we we often find God uh, and God's provision and, and providence in our most vulnerable moments. So even when we feel like we have nothing to share, um, we do. And, mm-hmm. and God provides. Mm-hmm. I like that verse. Um, I was drawn to think about uh, about the commandments. Um, Ooh, yeah. And so thinking about Exodus 20 and and then uh, the, the re- the re-giving of those commands before entering the promised land in Deuteronomy 5. And, and in particular, um, you know, of course, the first commandment is, is very much so connected what what you were just talking about, that, uh, that provision, you know, this, you know, um, understanding that God is, uh, that we're to serve no other, no other gods, and, and that focus on how, how we can often get get drawn into money and possessions and and all those things as if they were the be all and end all but but um leaning on that but i'm particularly thinking about the other commandments like and the way luther explains them you know the fifth commandment about 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 killing and the seventh mm-hmm. commandment about stealing and the ninth and tenth commandments about mm-hmm. coveting and and how of course they they encourage us to to place great value on our neighbor's life and property and, and income and means of making a living and their relationships with, um, uh, you know, the fellow humans in their lives, but also, you know, their cattle and just everything else. But 
But there's always in that explanation, as Luther puts it, that need to be proactive and do something, not just to avoid hurting our neighbor, but to do the things that support their physical needs and yeah. to uh, to preserve their means of making a living. And to, you know, so from the very beginning of this, this story of God's people, um, um, these, these words, um, this is important in our work, you know. Yeah, yeah, I I really like um, that part of Luther's explanation of those commands. Um, is is that yeah? There's a component there to serving our neighbor and and looking out for their well being. Um, there's already community baked into those pieces. Uh, it's not right. just about us and God. There's there's both. It's right the up and down, and the side to side that moves right. us in in that cruciform life yeah the and, shape and of the cross that drew me into thinking too very early on in, in this story uh in the book of genesis when cain kills his brother abel mm -hmm. and then is confronted in uh about abel's absence and he said he asked this very poignant question am i my brother's keeper and uh if you were wondering the answer to that, just keep reading in your Bibles um, <laughs> because God says, uh, by the way, yes. Like yeah. this is a really strong tradition, um, you know, and um, and Jesus picks this up as mm -hmm. well in the New Testament. I, I was drawn to uh, Matthew 25 and he talks about this. It tells really a, a parable of, of the end of time and the separating of the sheep and goats. And it's it's a frightening image, but. But the, <laughs> but the basis of separation is, you know, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. And, and the question, well, Lord, we didn't see you. When did we do that? Well, wh whenever you did these things to the least of these, you did it to me. And so Jesus is very concerned about, about those who are hungry and those who are poor and those who are vulnerable and, um, picks right up on that old old testament tradition of looking after our brothers and sisters so. yeah i picked that one out too um it's it's a pretty famous one when we talk about um serving our neighbor i think uh but the part that really strikes me is that in that image of you know who's in and who's out which um again, like you said, is frightening and, and uh, challenging. Both groups, when they're responding to Jesus, ask, when did we see you? The ones who were doing that work um, because it was flowing out of them and the ones who hadn't done that work and were like, but we didn't see you, right? So both are asking when. Right. Yeah, when. We, we didn't see it when we were um, you know, supposedly helping you. We didn't see you when we were, uh, when we were ignoring you. Right. But that, that word again, um, you know, Christ is found in the neighbor and that's a, that's a wonderful image. Okay. It's a great thing to think about. Um, I think maybe, uh, and we could, we could share 50, uh, great stories from scripture that, that center us for sure. But, um, I think one of the places where I think we're going to come again and again is that that hunger and poverty is um, 
it's part of this broken and sinful world. And uh, there may be all kinds of um, causes we could point to in that and, and say, oh, you know, um, there's, there's calamity that happens within households. There's calamity that happens within communities. And I think God seems to know this, right? But is more concerned with the response, the, the so what? Um, mm-hmm. and it is, and it's a community response. I mean, we, of course we, we, we take responsibility for our own sins and our own shortcomings, but this is a communal issue. And so as, as we're thinking about this episode of the feeding ministries that, that we have an opportunity to be part of, I think we could, we can talk about the, the, the now what is, is really important for us to, to address. Um, what, so maybe we can shift into thinking about um, some ways as you think about ways that, that people could address practical kind of everyday ways that people can address hunger and poverty uh, in meaningful ways. Yeah. So one of the easiest ways I think we've all probably grown up with it is um, uh, donating to our local food shelf here in Wadena, Uh, but not just the things that, um, your family doesn't want to eat that you bought at the grocery store, like a can of garbanzo beans and hearts of palm or, you know, the random things you pull out of your pantry, but some intentional donations. Um, so peanut butter or, um, the dry ingredients for cake, a birthday cake or, um, cookie mixes, right? Um, because when we think about, you know, the dignity and respect of all people, it doesn't mean that uh, people who need some extra assistance with food should only have to eat the stuff we don't want. Um, They they can also celebrate with cake and cookies and macaroni and cheese and and all those things. Um, Another great uh, opportunity is in our local schools, uh, Backpacks for Kids. Backpacks for Kids is a partnership we have with the United Way um, here in Wadena County. And uh, we pack 91 bags a week to distribute in our elementary school and um, in our middle school and high school. And these bags go to families that are identified by the school social workers in need of a boost over the weekend. So we give two breakfasts, two lunches, and snacks um, to provide nutrition for that uh, individual uh, student over the weekend when there isn't school where they would normally be um, relying on school lunch and school breakfast for a lot of their nutritional needs. Um, And Wadena County, um, if you didn't know, has a really significantly high rate of students on the free and reduced lunch program. Um, And which tells us that there's a significant need in the community for help in this area of hunger, um, especially because families are really relying on school to provide um, two meals a day, really, for their kids um, that they wouldn't otherwise be able to have. Yeah, so those are those are some great ways to get involved, and um, that backpacks program is is an extraordinary project, and uh, you know we're very grateful. You know, it takes a lot of um, a lot of hands to make happen, and 
the way that, you know, um, the school works so hard to help identify those households in need and provide the access that's needed um, in order to do that discreetly and well, um, it's, a, it's a great project. I was thinking about um, just some, some other, you know, some other pieces um, and, um, you know, as far as ways that just everyday ways that people can, can deal with these hunger issues. I, I haven't thought about how important it is that we make sure we're, we're supporting um, local businesses and in particular local grocers. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of folks that if, um, if they had to depend on a car uh, to get food, uh, they suddenly can't get food. So making sure we've got local suppliers of these things is important. And that, that happens when we're supportive there. Um, and, and local farmers markets too. Um, you know, um, heard an interesting stat on the world hunger page, like it, it, the 815 million people in the world who have food insecurity, half of them live on farms. Um, that's, that's an extraordinary thing to think about that, even even folks who grow this food struggle to have reliable access to food. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about um, those opportunities to buy food that's been fairly traded so that farmers are fairly compensated and all of that um, seems really important. Um, I haven't thought, you know, when you have, it, hopefully people are having regular conversations with their elected leaders and even if you don't know what to advocate for, even just to ask, hey, what's coming up in the um, in the next legislative session where y'all are dealing with with hunger issues? And you know, just asking that question regularly um, is important. Keeping keeping hunger issues in the forefront of, of the minds of our legislators, um, you know, and and I think that's that's a good question. So, or even just committing to praying about hunger and hunger related issues so yeah um so talking or contacting your uh elected officials is a really great um way to move from that very local piece to that larger systemic piece and bread for the world is an organization um that uh helps you they have like templates and scripts for writing letters or calling your elected officials and they help you know what to advocate for um, in terms of anti-hunger legislation or um, aid or things like that so um, if that's more your style um, we that's a wonderful way to take it even up to the next level um, beyond local programs is to to use those templates and get in touch with those elected leaders. Yeah, that's great. And um, if people haven't spent much time on the World Hunger website, that's another great place just to, you know, learn a lot of facts about hunger and, and really see what, what ELCA World Hunger is doing as well. I know you're going to have a conversation coming up about um, that will touch on world hunger. But, uh, you know, if, if a household could commit to making a monthly, even a small gift, $20 monthly gift to world hunger makes a big impact. Uh, they're doing a yeah. lot of things, not just, not just handing out food, but providing sustainable solutions to hunger uh, and mm -hmm. not just in other countries, uh, uh, though that work is great and tremendous around the globe. 
but there's world hunger sponsored programs right here in, in the United States as well. So, um, yeah, uh, Pastor Chandran and I talked about resilient communities. And um, so those sustainable things are, are wonderful ways to support those sustainable community building efforts. I also think of um, the good gifts program that comes out around Christmas time, but is available anytime during the year um, to uh, donate and give a gift that goes to building sustainable and resilient communities around food and um, other efforts as well, but definitely a large focus on hunger there. Right. Like, and so people unfamiliar, that's like a lot of that is gifts that um, lead to livestock, uh, you know, sheep, uh, cows, chicks, you know, that kind of uh, adding to farm farming. You know, we talked about all those farmers who are raising these crops that um, are a big deal in the, in the global economy, but they're hungry. So mm -hmm. World Hunger can help these farmers with education and with resources that their farms are more sustainable and um, also that, that uh, they get the resources they need to be able to eat, which would seem right. to be a really great thing for people who are raising food to have enough food themselves. So Yes, um, yeah. And again, we could, we could talk for hours about this, <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, this might be a good time for us to transition into our next segment, but, but before we do, just again, thanks for, for this conversation. Um, again, just to make sure that everybody knows you are your brother, your sister's keeper. You, you are. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and there's, there's things you can do. There's a lot that might feel like it's beyond your control, but you, you can, you can pick one, even just one thing that you're going to do differently in the next month to deal purposely with hunger and poverty issues and, mm -hmm. and, and God will bless that. So um, what, are, what are we talking about next month? Next month, we are uh, dedicating our whole podcast to talking about the Giving Tree, um, the service project that we do together as a congregation and a community um, leading up to Christmas. Again, caring for our neighbors in some really tangible ways. Great. That's uh, that's a long-standing ministry at Emmanuel, and so that'll be that'll be a good conversation. So, um, but uh, again, we got a couple segments to get to. So, um, you've got this conversation coming up with uh, with Shandrin Paul Martin, and then I'll have a conversation with Peggy Larson. But uh, we'll uh, we'll get into now into that uh, that conversation between Pastor Megan and Shandrin Paul Martin coming up next. So uh, we'll just jump in here with our segment. Um, uh -huh. So um, thank you so much for joining us today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and where you're serving right now? Okay. Uh, Reverend Chandran Paul Martin, an ordained pastor of the Tamil Evangelical Lutheran Church in India, currently serving as the regional representative for South Asia, for Diaconia, disaster relief, and mission relationships. I am normally stationed in Chennai, India, but now I'm traveling, visiting my family in Geneva. So I'm addressing you not very far away. <laughs> yeah, a little closer than in- A little closer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and now, 
at Emmanuel, we've had a partnership with you for how long? Uh, very, uh, the last 10 years, maybe. Because <laughs> uh, I have been with the ELCA for 10 years and you have supported me right through. And I'm very grateful for the prayers and the support. Oh, we are so thankful uh, for the work you're doing and that we can be part of it through our support. Um, so we're talking uh, on our podcast this month about hunger um, mm -hmm. and uh, wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you work with um, the Lutheran um, hunger relief. I'm sorry, that's not the correct phrase. You'll have to correct me on that. Um, no and the work that you do there uh, sure. in Chennai. Sure. Uh, located in Chennai, I serve South Asia. Oh, currently, sure. I'm sorry. Yeah. Currently, we are a restructured global mission. It's no more global mission and its service and justice home area. And within the theme, we have a theological adage which says, I quote, activate each of us so more people know about Jesus and discover community, justice, and love. So the world hunger is all about accompanying people, communities, and building resilient communities. So. With this motto in mind, we work in many parts of the world and in South Asia, we work, my particular work takes me to South Asia. And the other interesting part of my work is that I'm working in countries with different religion, majority people, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism. So I get to meet many kinds of people in my work. Yeah, that's a beautiful vision to build resilient community mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in the work. So what are the kinds of things um, that you've been able to do to build that resilient community? Excellent. Thank you for that question. Let me dwell on the present while we look at uh, how you in the United States and all of us in South Asia are coping with the pandemic so that my examples are more real and even timed well for a podcast today. Uh, COVID hit us, and this is one of the very few disasters, probably in the memory of humankind, that affected us all. Normally, I would serve with the earthquake in Nepal, which we worked or the tsunami of South Asia. It's all localized, but this was across the board. So while we were also responding to challenges within the United States, here we have done very well in other parts of the world. What we have done also is that uh, we meet human need to enhance human dignity. Mm. For us at the ELCA, Meeting human need and enhancing human dignity cannot be separated because then we would sound as the givers and somebody is receiving. And of course, we would like to overturn oppressions and injustice. And therefore, we collaboratively work towards the flourishing of human community. What we have done fundamentally is working with people through our churches, companion churches, and partners. 
So initially we have responded within my region, COVID hit. The first impact was on the poor because of the lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Because of the lockdowns, the lockdown and COVID exacerbated poverty and hunger. So what we did, we got on to our first response of addressing these two needs. So through our partners, we did a lot of engaged in food distribution, dry rations, ensuring that communities in rural areas and other areas far flung from cities had something to nourish themselves. Secondly, we also worked in providing health-related issues. For example, doing a campaign on what is COVID, how to protect yourself, the COVID protocol behavior. Of course, you know, in countries like India with 1.37 billion people, physical distancing can be a big challenge. Yes. Nevertheless, <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless we worked with many vulnerable communities, women, children, people with disabilities. So we were down with our companions serving communities who are vulnerable at the lockdown. And then, of course, some of our companions had, had hospitals. So we served the hospitals. We linked up with the hospitals. When the second wave hit us, we realized that uh, it was different from the first one. So there we served food security as well as ministering to migrant populations. Laborers were moving across the nation from the north to the south, and they were all stranded, stranded yeah. in uh, railway stations and stadium. So we were serving them through our companions. And in the second, we realized we could engage with health-related issues. So we're working with hospitals. We set up in Padar Hospital in Madhya Pradesh. We set up a special ward just with ventilators, etc., to build the capacities of the hospitals in order to serve better. And now we are currently even setting up a whole ward. You know, oxygen became a big issue in the second wave. Yeah. Tens, many thousands died because of the lack of oxygen. Mm. I was always reminded of the biblical verses of God breathing so that we may have life. That gave us a new diaconal understanding that for the first time we were linking to the breath of God. So we served, we continued to serve some of the hospitals through setting up of technically equipped wards to serve because we never know. They say the third wave is coming. So we thought we will prepare and build our capacities to serve our companions and the poor adequately. Pastor. Wonderful. So, gosh, you started with those very, uh, what could seem like small things of just making sure the folks locally were fed and then moved into these larger systemic pieces to really serve a lot of folks. And gosh, what a beautiful image of being connected to the breath of God through that work of um, 
partnering with the hospitals and, and building new wards and providing oxygen and, and all those things. Beautiful. So what can we at Emanuel do to continue to support you and your work um, and the work of those uh, in, this, in the areas, your other partners? Thank you. Thank you very much, Pastor. This is the most exciting part that <laughs> Emmanuel, they know me, they know my work, and I know my pastor now. So we are excited. Of course, we always know that praying for each other is the first apostolic vision. So whenever you pray for communities and people all over the world, particularly for people in the global south, we are connected already. I always say whenever I visit my congregations, I always say this is in line with St. Paul's apostolic visits. What happens? We share through prayer. Secondly, the information exchange. I share my work through my newsletters. So you know that we are still active despite not being able to travel. I miss my mm. travels. This is the first time I've traveled in 20 months, 22 months. So I miss, but we are hoping that things will improve. Thirdly, of course, Emmanuel can accompany us by visiting the websites of the ELCA, World Hunger, very specially, to know our needs. South Asia will continue to have new needs. There is always a challenge about what does the post-COVID world look like? Mm -hmm. As much as we are also accompanying our churches, what does a post-COVID church look like? Today, I'm able to talk to Emmanuel without being there. That's <laughs> wonderful. It That's is, yeah. I'm able to meet with you, talk to you, interact with you. So this gives us an opportunity to be connected to people all over the world. And of course, Emmanuel has always been a giving church. And I am not going to remind you with that. No, no. <laughs> you have always been in here. So you can connect with us very specifically with the World Hunger Team. And we also have a Lutheran disaster program. And you can, uh, Lutheran disaster response, you can write to them, find out what they need. And we also have very specific requests as well, which you we will let you know as soon as we receive your mail. Pastor. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much, Chandran. It was just a pleasure to speak with you and uh, have you join us today. Um, any last words you'd like to leave with us? Uh, yes, of course. Yes, of course. Uh, I'm reminded of Archbishop Oscar Romero, I'm sure, you know. He yes. said, I quote, many people would like the poor to keep on saying that it is God's will for them to live that way. But it is not God's will for some to have everything and others to have nothing. That cannot be of God. God's will is that all God's children will be happy. That is my prayer for the Emmanuel, even for your own family. I pray for. Thank I hope you. all gets well with your family and all at Emmanuel. God bless. Thank you. Thank you so much. Blessings to you as you uh, are with your family in Geneva. And uh, thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Pastor.
Okay, so for our final segment on this podcast today, I am really happy to be visiting with uh, my good friend, Peggy Larson. Peggy, thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me today. You're welcome. So um, as, as we've talked about on the podcast so far today, Emmanuel um, is part of a lot of different feeding ministries, but there's two programs that you are very involved in that I wanted to talk with you about today. And the first is a frozen meal distribution program that happens in Emmanuel's parking lot every month. Can you say a little bit more, or a lot more is fine, about how, how did that whole program get started? How does it work? Um, just to tell us more about that frozen meal program. So because of the pandemic, Catholic Charities was rewarded um, some funding uh, to help with food um, supplies for people. And they contacted us at church um, because we have the Mac and Naps program. That's also another food distribution um, funded program. And they wanted to pair with us uh, along with that program on the same day to distribute uh frozen meals to whomever wanted them as long as, and the only um, stipulation was the person had to be 60 years or older. So it wasn't income-based or anything. Um, so we, we agreed to do that. And in our parking lot, they come and um, bring a big, huge truck with uh, frozen meals. Um, and we've increased from about Let's see, we started at about 1,400 frozen meals uh, once a month that we distribute in a two-hour period to now up to about 2,400 meals once a month in a two-hour period. It's a drive-through um, opportunity so people don't have to leave their car. Um, at this point, uh, they are only giving you about 15 to 20 meals a month. It started out at 30, but there was such a high demand um, that they had to cut uh, the amount down to increase the timeline on when they can, how long they can serve these meals. Wow. So um, <clears throat> huge, huge demand uh, for that kind of thing. And, and the convenience of it, of, of being able to drive through has been a really good fit. And um, so that's great. So um, do you remember when, uh, what month that first that first distribution was, was it December, January? I, I don't remember, but it was, it goes back to the winter time, doesn't it? It was, I, I'm thinking it was like, um, actually February or March, I believe that we started it. And we're hoping to continue it through the end of this year, um, depending upon the fundings that they get. Um, with the pandemic again increasing uh, at this point, we're, we're hopeful that they will get more funding um, to keep this program going. And they, they also invite uh, individual donors to that program, right? That um... they, they do, yes. You can um, always send donations to Catholic Charities. Um, we're not allowed to take any donations personally as people are driving through. Um, but yeah, you can, you can definitely donate and they appreciate that. Um, very much yeah it's um yeah i think um uh, you know if folks wanted to do that they can get in touch with with our church office at emmanuel and we'd be happy to share the the contact information it's right on the, the flyer mm -hmm. people can make a gift to this program and, and keep it going 
Um, but that's exciting to hear. Um, the hope is that it can carry on through the calendar year and then um, kind of if, as funding, if, if a, a new grant comes in or if there's other funding available, they can keep that, keep that program going. So, right. Well, um, and the nice thing is, is that everybody registers only one time for this. Um, and then they're, they're registered for the remaining time uh, that this is available. Um, but they can also, if they can't be in Wadena, they can go to other drop sites um, at any point that, that are open that they're near and get their, their monthly supply of food. And so it's not just limited to, um, you have to be here in Wadena to get your, your meals. Sure, the Catholic Charities is working uh, really throughout the region, maybe even the whole state and beyond with very similar programs. And um, you know, again, they latched onto our site mainly because of that connection with uh, another food distribution program that was happening here. And um, it just made a lot of sense. So um, what, what about, so, so certainly if people want to make a financial gift to this ministry, that's, that's um, we can help them do that. Um, are there other ways that if a person was like, I, I like that ministry, I would like to find a way to get involved. What, uh, how else could people help with, with that? So you can contact the church office or myself. And um, so once a month, it takes about four volunteers uh, every time we distribute. Um, but I'm more than willing to plug you in to help distribute those meals. Um, direct traffic is another area which is um, needed uh, in our parking lot. Um, so yeah, there are, there are ways that you could volunteer um, with the distribution if you wanted to. Sure. And so this particular program happens on the first Thursday of the month. There, there's a little bit of a disclaimer a, on that. It's got to follow a Tuesday in the month. Right. Uh, the Tuesday has to be in the month before the Thursday, which is um, interesting. But that's how the, the Mac and Naps program works also. Right. Yeah. And that has to do with when they take delivery of, of their resources. So, so Correct. the earliest it could ever be would be the third of the month. You know, the, right. the, so people can understand that, but it's, uh, and that happened, the volunteering would be somewhere around what the noon to two o'clock timeframe or. Right. It's like about, that. yep. It's about two hours that we're, we are there. We're only supposed to be serving from one to two, but there's such a huge need that we actually open up a little bit after noon and um, mm -hmm, distribute. So monthly, a monthly program that people can be, can be part of. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, clearly demonstrating that there's a big demand. I think there's a lot of reasons why, why seniors um, might be dealing with food insecurity issues. Some of it may have to do with living alone. Some of it may have to do with um, being on a, a low fixed income. Um, but there's, and, and some of it just may be getting access uh, to good and reliable food. So having those frozen meals uh, and, and I understand these are, are really good and nutritious meals um, and makes a big difference in their long-term health if they're right. fed and nourished well. So. Well, and honestly, I've heard very few complaints about the meals. Um, it may be a vegetable that they don't like or, you know, something 
minimal. Um, but there's a lot of people that use this also because they're not home until later in the evening. Um, they're going through some health issues, uh, maybe cancer treatments, and they don't have the energy to make it, make a, a meal. Um, so there's, there's multiple reasons why people are using this program. Yeah, that, you make a really good point there, Peggy, that, that, um, that, that people who are over 60 can be dealing with, some of them may be dealing with aging parents and, mm -hmm. and uh, have them on the run all day or, or people, anyway, there's, there's all kinds of reasons why having 10 to 20 of these meals in your freezer um, makes a difference between having a good nutritious meal that day and not. And, right. And that makes a big impact in your health. And, you know, um, it, it just, it ripples out and, and this program helps things ripple to the good. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's an exciting ministry that, um, um, I, I, I suppose I just say Emmanuel kind of lucked into, you know, being part of this. Um, but it's, it's great. Appreciate how you've stepped up to be part of that. So, um, so that's one of one of the feeding ministries that uh, you have a big part in. The other is the community dinner, mm -hmm. and um, I, I'd I'd like a little history lesson on that too. Um, a reminder of how that um, ministry got started in our community and what that's all about. So in 2014, um, a fellow community member Sarah Yetter. Um, had this brain child, I guess, of, of an idea to bring all the area churches together to, to work, um, to provide a, a hot meal once a month at the end of the month. That's very important that it was at the end of the month because of food insecurities uh, that happen at the end of the month, um, that we could provide that and still um, promote fellowship um, amongst people from all walks of life. Um, there were no barriers that that would be limiting people from joining in on this experience. Um, and so December of 2014 was our first meal that we did. Um, we served a little over 200 people at that time. Um, every month, a new church or churches, depending upon their size of church, um, will provide um, the, the meal for that month. Um, right now, we have, I think, eight or nine churches that are participating in, in this program, um, but we've increased from around 200 people coming to the meal each month to now about 450 people coming to the meal each month. Wow. Wow. So uh, there have been some, so obviously starting in 2014, it was a monthly kind of rotating among various uh, congregations, fellowship halls, um, sharing a meal together. Again, no barriers. You didn't have to show that you had a certain income level. Anybody and everybody was welcome because everybody needed food and fellowship um, in some varying degree uh, at the, toward the end of the month. And so um, for, for many years, that was a monthly practice. And then some things changed um, during COVID. So mm -hmm. Say more about how that shift, what, what shifted and, and how is that meal being handled differently now during uh, this time of global pandemic? So during COVID, um, when everything was locked down, there were a few months that we chose not to um, provide this meal. 
And then we realized that the needs were even greater, um, especially during COVID. So we decided that we would do, try to do a drive-through, um, which has been incredibly successful. Um, St. Anne's opened up their kitchen for us to use. They have a wonderful space that accommodates people in, a, um, in an area that's big enough to keep people distanced apart. Um, and they have an area where we can just walk out the door and have people drive right up to us and um, we can continue to, to provide them meals that way. Okay. And that, I mean, you've seen huge increases in numbers during that time. Yes. Um, I've also seen, of course, um, you know, um, one of the ways that's changed the meal is it's changed the fellowship component, but I've been really interested to see how that's opened up some other really um, interesting things too. Um, the times that I've been able to help with that meal, uh, there's several uh, key folks that come and pick up dozens of meals for their neighbors and they get mm -hmm. a chance to do a meal delivery and check in with, with people. Um, and um, I think other places um, have been able to do their own kind of congregant eating if, if a person lives in a in an apartment complex or something like that that with a commons area that that this meals to go thing has opened up new fellowship opportunities people just show up with and there the meals show up and and um so it's it's opened up some really cool things there too it has and and we've been um receiving a lot of comp comments from people that will come and get like for certain apartment buildings. Um, maybe some of the assisted living people um, can't drive or don't want to go out. And so they'll, one person will come and get 20 meals for that apartment complex. Um, the group homes in town have been utilizing it more. Um, I think all of our churches have limited space for seating. And this provides an opportunity for people to come and not be worried about whether or not they're going to get a spot or maybe they are a person that really doesn't want to have tons of contact with somebody um, or be surrounded by a group of people for whatever reason. Um, now these people feel comfortable coming and um, getting a meal. Um, I know that there's been some small groups of people that live in like the... Um, housing um, apartments that they'll come and then they'll meet in their garage and, you know, five or six of them will have a meal together. Um, so I think they're finding creative will, uh, ways to still have fellowship. It's just not the same type that we provided in a large space. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's evolved and, and I would suspect uh, the, the group will, uh, that leads these um, events will have some, uh, you know, further conversation, you know, when, when might, might we go back to congregant eating again, but what, what we don't want to lose what we got going now. And of course you've got, you've got a lot of folks who are wanting to access these meals. And so you have a very limited number of spaces in town that could accommodate four to 500 people. So Correct. it's, it's a fun problem to have. Uh, clearly this is a, a ministry that, that is effective and, uh, doing good. So how, how can people get involved in this ministry? What are some ways that they can take part in that? Um, well, one of the ways is financial support. Uh, we are finding right now that 
um, because of the increased numbers and the cost of supplies, as well as um, not only food supplies, but distribution supplies, like the little containers, um, they have gone up so much that um, the grants and things that we receive, um, it's, it's becoming more challenging uh, to fulfill our needs just with those grants. So for instance, a lot of times, um, many of the churches use Thrivent Financial and they will get a like a $250 uh, card, gift card uh, during their month to help cut cost. Um, St. Anne's has a um, grant called the Rice Bowl that churches can use up to about $200 a month um, for, for the community dinner. But we're finding now our costs are up to about between six and seven hundred dollars a month to provide the food, just the food alone. Um, I know the packaging right now. I was talking to the financial secretary, and she said that from the time we started the food distribution in early January of last year till now, the packaging went up um, twenty some cents a piece for the containers. So we're looking at fifty-five cents per to-go container now, which when you're doing, you know, 450 meals, that's a lot of money just in distribution costs. Right. So that's one way, the financial part. Yeah. So just to kind of recap that, I know Emmanuel has a temporary restricted fund. So if we've got, you know, Emmanuel members who are listening or whatever, you can make gifts uh, to our congregation about that. But um Anybody who's a Thrivent member has access to those Thrivent grants. Um, yeah, you can you can write a Thrivent grant for a community dinner, and um, and then um, yeah, so money's a big deal, and uh -huh. um, you know there's lots of lots of costs. That's an still an incredibly efficient way of feeding a lot of people. You know, six or seven dollars. There's some creative and resourceful people cooking those meals, yourself included who are really stretching, stretching those dollars. Yes, we try to keep it to about $1.25 per meal is what we try uh, to do. So, um, and we've been very fortunate. We've been able to work with some area um, businesses that have been willing to donate um, some of the food product to us or gift cards, which really helps a lot to defer cost. Sure, yeah, so if anybody listening has a connection to you know, a large gross grocery distri distributor that like to get on board with this. We're all ears on that too. Um, mm -hmm. how, how about time? Uh, people want to want to volunteer. Uh, again, this is a monthly project. Um, what are the ways they can help with that? The time the time frames for that. Well, a lot of times it's usually um, the day before and the day of uh, the meal at the end of the month. Um, I'm always willing to take down names if you're willing to help other churches prepare. I know I usually go into, I've, I've been to almost every one now since we started the drive-through um, and working. And it's just such a wonderful experience. Um, but, uh, you know, the day before we're usually preparing the food at St. Anne's and then uh, the day of, um, it may mean coming in for a couple of hours in the morning to help start getting everything warmed up again or in the evening it's about a two and a half hour period of serving uh the meal to people which is it's uh it's a fun time and it's it's easy easy to do um 
and so, yeah, those are, those are ways. So you can always contact the church or myself um, and let me know that if you're interested and, and we'll plug you in. Yeah. And I suspect, uh, you know, there's people listening or watching who are part of other congregations, you know, talk, talk to your leadership team if, and see if they're involved in the community dinner and we can volunteer through them when it's, when it's their month. But we, we'd gladly uh, plug anybody in who'd like to be part of this ministry because it really is a community ministry and it's just something that Emmanuel gets to be part of um, three, four times a year. And, um, and we're happy for that. So um, great. So a couple of great ministries, really appreciative of you taking that time to uh, talk with me about that today, Peggy. Mm -hmm. And there's one other thing, Nate, I wanted to mention that um, due to our churches um, becoming smaller and they're aging in population, we are starting to see some churches not able to participate um, on the same level that they were before. So really across the board, if anybody can volunteer so that we can keep this ministry going um, as an ecumenical partnership, it would be wonderful. Right. Yeah, it is important that we, that we continue to have broad participation so um, you know, that it remains an ecumenical project here in our community. That was an important part of that early vision Right. And it'd be wonderful to see it continue. Yeah, great. Well, thanks again for the time today, Peggy. Yep, thanks, Nate. And thank you listeners for joining us for this podcast episode. We hope that you will find a way to get involved in addressing issues of hunger and poverty and that that involvement will be a blessing, not only to you, but to your neighbors near and far. Again, this podcast is a digital ministry of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Wadena, Minnesota. But you can join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30, you can join us in our sanctuary or on Facebook. Again, that service is at 8.30. You could listen to our service and participate in worship with us on the radio, KWAD. If you're local to Wadena, that broadcast comes out at 9.30 in the morning on Sundays. And you can join us at 10 o'clock for a sanctuary service as well. Or if Wednesday's more your style, you can join us at 6 p.m. every week in our fellowship hall, which is followed by education and service projects and learning for all ages. You can visit wadinaemmanuel.org for more information, and we'll hope to catch you on our next episode when we'll visit about Emmanuel's Giving Tree Ministry. In the meantime, God bless you, my friends. Music